Welcome to Questions That Matter, a podcast of the C.S. Lewis Institute. I'm your host, Randy Newman, and on Questions That Matter, we delve into discipleship, and we want to do it as deeply and as thoroughly and as thoughtfully as possible. And we also want to see how outreach, evangelism, fits into that and how God can use us. And so I'm delighted that today my conversation partner is my friend Rico Tice. Rico is the founder of Christianity Explored Ministries. He's the senior associate minister at All Souls Church Langham Place in London. Rico and I just were together not too long ago at a series of conferences on evangelism. And um, I love getting together with my friend Rico. Rico, welcome to Questions That Matter. Thanks so much, Randy. It's lovely to be here. Really lovely. Well, um, we you have just written a book uh, like several of your other books that are designed to be given out to non-Christians that we know. And for Christmas, this is a book called The Ultimate Christmas Wish List. But but um, we want to talk about that and how we can use this tool and other tools at this time of year, inviting uh, our friends to uh, worship at uh, church uh, at Christmas time. But but let me back up a little bit. Tell our tell our listeners about Christianity Explored. I don't want to assume that everybody knows about this great ministry, and it it really is a great ministry, and I'm I'm grateful to be connected to it. So. Give well, us a little sales pitch. Well, Randy, if you've got an Englishman that talks like me, the key in terms of his stereotype is to be arrogant. So I'll begin the podcast by saying something arrogant. And that is that if God was here and we said to him, what's the best way to do evangelism? I think he would say, gosh, it'd be good to have a chat about it. Why don't you go through the books I've given you about my son? <laughs> and, you know, go through the biographies he's given you. And, and so what we do on Christianity Explored is we just try and enable people to look at Jesus in Mark's gospel. But, and this is very much your territory, say to them, as you look at this, so please have a look at the document. Don't let someone else make up that decision for you, but ask any question you want. So we begin the the little series, the course with, if God was here and you could ask him any question, what would it be? So we're we're huge on questions. And we're huge on Jesus. And what we found is that in Mark's gospel, just about every verse is either about the identity of Jesus, who he is, or the mission of Jesus, why he came, or the call of Jesus, what it means to follow him. And therefore, because that's so simple, people feel they can teach it to their friends or they can read it for themselves because that's the code. And it's such a simple code. So I guess that's what, what we're doing. Um, lots of countries have picked it up. We try and find passionate advocates who say, I want to take it back to Uganda. We've got a huge work in Uganda. A guy called Shadrach found it and picked it up. And, and so we try and find people who are local to their country, who are passionate about people in their own country hearing Mark's gospel. So that's that's the strategy, really. And we found that um, there's, there's something in, incredibly clear and simple and yet so deep about doing Mark's gospel and doing identity mission call in it. So that's really what we're about. Mm, I love it. I love it. So people come together. Um, they uh, they eat a meal together. Is that is that? Yeah. Most yeah. Relationship um, is massive. So we don't we don't treat people as human resources, but as people made in God's <laughs> image. So we want to celebrate them. It's amazing. They'll come along and have a listen and ask questions. And, uh, you know, you've got to make sure you've got leaders who really are delighted to meet them. So the leaders are pleased with the Lord and they're pleased with the fact they've got people to talk to. Mm. And, you know, you, you, I, 
look for people who who've got those two passions and then and then say be a good listener make sure you're listening to to to, to the questions people have got but at the same time unashamedly saying let's look at the person of Christ Nice. Well, we're going to put some uh, links in the show notes so that people can find out more about Christianity Explored. Maybe they can even consider the idea of hosting one in their home, at their church. Um, so, um, but let me let me take things out a little bit wider. Uh, so you and I were just together. There was a series of conferences. We were in London, uh, Manchester, Edinburgh, uh, Belfast, and uh, you're there all the time, but I was the outsider who came in, and two things struck me. One is, um, first, uh, this is this is a difficult mission field. There's a very, very small percentage of people in the UK who go to church on Sunday, and even not even all of those are Christians. So this is this is a tougher place, I think, or or I don't know. But at the same time, I was so impressed. God is doing some really great things. Um, I, I had a, a chat with uh, a professor, uh, a professor, sorry, um, uh, a pastor in Edinburgh. He said to me um, the last several years, and he's been in ministry for 30 years or more, the last several years have been the hardest, but they've been the best. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was so impressed that um, uh, people are hungry for answers. What, so give us a little bit of a report. What, what do you see God doing there in the UK? Um, well, I think I London think or anywhere. Yeah, brother, I think the sovereign Lord is refining his church. So the numbers are smaller, but that's because there was so much nominalism. You know, so many people went along because it was the right thing to do on a Sunday. It was part of being culturally English. Mm. It's now because of the uniqueness of Jesus and his highly high and holy standards, particularly because of issues over human sexuality. Um, it's now not particularly cool to go to church and to be Christian. And um, and 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 therefore, I think our churches have got much purer. And I think when people now look at Christians and they look at the church, actually, they do see a difference. And that's made it more fruitful. So, Mm. yes, the numbers are much smaller. But those who are Christians are often real Christians. So a survey um, called Talking Jesus was done just before the pandemic that said 67 percent of people in this country had a Christian friend they liked. And what did they like about that Christian friend? Selflessness. So so Christians, fewer number, but genuinely trying to live out their faith. The battle always, Randy, is to is to get Christians who are living a godly life to see that at the heart of godliness is evangelism. So often people think that to be godly means to keep to yourself a bit and to be godly Mm -hmm. means to be like God who sent his son to, to save the world. So that there is a battle almost culturally with English people. We're, we're not terribly extrovert. We're not very good at asking questions. And so, but, but at the same time, I think a lot of, when I look at the churches, I think a lot of churches have got people in them who are living authentic Christian lives. It's mm-hmm. just getting them to speak. Yeah. 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 Well done. By the way, your outline, your A to A to Z when you came over was so helpful for people because I think a lot of our evangelism is at T. So, you know, you you presume someone has got a Christian background. They're quite low hanging fruit. When you proclaim the gospel, they've got all these stories from primary school in them. They had a Christian granny and therefore they were quite ready for faith. I think, Randy, what you did so helpfully because you've been in tougher areas of the state's 
and come from a Jewish family is you said, no, no, if at Christmas you get a friend who's at A in terms of absolute unbelief and atheism and cynicism, and you get them to E where they're beginning to think there might be a God and they're beginning to enjoy being with a Christian person, that's been a super Christmas. But it doesn't mean they're yet converted. There's a lot of learning Christ to go on, but we've got to learn to be in that journey. And and I think that, you know, over here, it's taking longer for people to come to faith. So therefore, my job is to get people to hold their nerve, keep being godly, keep praying, keep speaking, keep asking Mm. questions. And then the four C's are causing people to look around. So there's been COVID, which has made death much more real. There's climate change, which means that we don't know where the world is going. There's economic crisis in in Europe. So, So, you know, inflation is at 10%. People really are worried about paying gas bills. And lastly, there's conflict in Europe, Ukraine. Now, all those things have made a lot of the population, we think about 25%, question their worldviews. So then you've got to get Christians good at asking questions. Just, you know, how do you think, you know, what's happening? Do you, you know, what's your assessment of what's going on? Um, you know, you're, you know, do, do you ever think about this spiritually? Just just getting people to ask questions, knowing that an awful lot of people are thinking, gosh, they, these are quite dark times. Mm. Um, uh, I, I love doing work together with you, Rico. It was really fun being there together. Um, but I, I, maybe I need to do a little translating in case some of our listeners aren't uh, familiar with my A to Z or A to Z scale. Um, what I've said to people is, there was a time, at least in the U.S. and I think in the U.K., where you could assume a certain level of common ground. So if A to Z, A to Z is a, a scale of unbelief, Z being, oh, they're ready to become a Christian. A is there as far away as you can possibly imagine. We used to be able to start a conversation at letter T, um, but but more and more people are much further down, and so we're at letter D, and so we start conversations with less assumptions, maybe no assumptions. Well, do you ever think much about spiritual stuff? Or, like you're saying, is well, in light of what's going on in the world, there's a lot of problems. There's difficulty. Where do you where do you find good news? Where do you find hope? Um, so I, I I do think that theme of hope is one of the ones that we really need to learn how to articulate and and think through. So let's shift a little bit because that's a major theme in this book that you've written. You've written. Uh, a short book, The Ultimate Christmas Wish List. Uh, what if you could get what you're really hoping for? And uh, I love that the Good Book Company does this every year. They come out with a short, this is 62 small uh, pages uh, of an evangelistic book to give to non Christians. A few years ago, um, you, the Good Book Company put together Glenn Scrivener's great evangelistic book called The Gift. I've used that a bunch. Um, so every year there's a new tool and you've come up with this one. And hope is a major theme in your book. In fact, it's it's the one of the very first things. So so give us a little taste. How does how does Christmas offer us hope and and uh, build up a sense of hope for us? Well, well, brother, it's interesting, isn't it? Pastorally, as you get older, Christmas at one level gets worse and worse because the people you love gradually are not there. So mm. my mother was always the cornerstone of our Christmases mm. and she died in 2010 and Christmas will never be the same without her. She was, mm. you know, she was a nurse. She was just an amazing lover of, and celebrator of people, a carer, mm. nurturer, 
um, funny. You know, so, you know, I, every Christmas I just miss her. I'm a bit low and, and you're just picking that up. And I sort of pick up the time that I, uh, it's a rite of passage, I think, when I had to um, clear out my parents' house after they both died. Mm. But, you know, that, mm. you know, you look at these these photos, you think of the Christmases and you think, well, what was that all about? I remember putting into the skip my parents' lovely double bed because um, it, it was it was done just before the asbestos legislation came out or some legislation that meant you couldn't recycle it because it was it was dangerous. And and likewise, their sofas and they were lovely. So you're skipping these things that were at the center of their home and it makes mm-hmm. you ask big questions. So mm-hmm. that's the hope thing. And then, of course, what you're asking then is, of course, is will there be a day of reunion? Mm-hmm. Will I ever put my arms around these people I love so much? Mm-hmm. And of course, that's what I ultimately want at Christmas. I'd like to see them again. Well, the mm. gospel says Jesus got through death, but the amazing thing is that he can get us through. Mm. It wasn't the resurrection of Jesus that so rocked the ancient world. It was the resurrection of the dead that we're all going to be raised. Now, ah, that means there's a judgment for us all. So it's a warning, but it's a great hope. So that that was one of the things I was trying to pick up um, and saying, actually, actually jesus when he comes and i pick up isaiah 9 verse 6 those predictions about the one who will come that he's the everlasting Mm. father i then show jesus fulfilling that in luke's gospel by rising from the dead and saying look we long for this hope and then likewise in the book i pick up some of those other um uh, um titles for jesus in isaiah i show how they were fulfilled in matthew's in luke's gospel and then say, look, don't you think you can believe them for ourselves? So that's that's what what, what we do. Um, should I keep going? Hope is one. And then another another thing that we long for at Christmas is purpose. And uh, and and again, Jesus, as as the one who rises from the dead, gives us the most incredible purpose. I never knew this verse in in um. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Well, that's an amazing thing. He He gives me purpose. Mm, the resurrection isn't just about hope in the face of death. It's also everything you do now matters because you're in a story where if you're serving Jesus, it all counts for eternity. So again, people are longing for purpose. And then lastly, they're longing for peace. And and as he comes, um, because he's not just the um, everlasting father, he's the prince of peace. He dies on the cross, not only so that we can be right with God, but also so that Christmas amidst the rows, we can be right with each other. You know, so the prince of peace brings us forgiveness. And that's the mechanism of reconciliation. So I'm trying to go, here's the prophecy of Isaiah. Here's the fulfillment in Luke. And here are the felt needs of purpose, Hmm. peace and hope that we've all got, but actually that he delivers. So that's the that's the aim of the book. I regularly talk about uh, all of the resources that we put together at the C.S. Lewis Institute. I want to highlight one right now. Uh, It's our Keeping the Faith. And it is a whole library and collection of resources for you, parents and grandparents. It's a whole entire program with courses and materials uh, that have been developed to equip you, parents and grandparents and other caring adults, for intentional discipleship of the children that God has placed in your life. And um, 
uh, this we've got videos, we've got articles, we've got study courses. Uh, this is one of the things we've we've made as a major emphasis on our newly designed, award-winning uh, website. And I really want to encourage you to check it out. And even if you are not um, a parent, um, that you'll check it out and recommend it to the parents that you know, or perhaps use it at your church in Sunday school. There, it's a wealth of things. Uh, resources for uh, equipping the next generation of disciples. Oh, I love it. Yes. So you, um, so just looking quickly at the the table of contents, uh, five chapters. What would you like for Christmas? And then your answers are hope, peace, purpose, confidence. And um, I, I do think you're right. This can really be to say to people. Um, it's nice to have a, a Christmas wish list and, you know, get gifts. I mean, that's fun. And I, I think we need to be careful that we don't put a kibosh on that. Uh, I, I like giving gifts and I yeah. like getting gifts. Um, and I think I think most people do. But then there's also the, well, yeah, but there's something much more that we're longing for and hoping for. You know, I do think there is a growing sense in our world of cynicism and Oh, nothing matters. Everything is just at at best. It's just a joke. It's just material mm-hmm. for a comedian to make a joke about. And um, I I I saw the dichotomy when I was over there uh, in the UK. That in 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 the popular culture and the I don't know the aura around, there was just a whole lot of cynicism. Oh yeah, well you know, um, but there was such a sense of joy and hope. And even uh, I, I want to say optimism among God's people, and it was really a stark contrast. Um, so I, I think that that Christmas is a great opportunity for us to uh, express that hope, um, but not in but not in a, a, a silly, trivial way of uh, isn't this a wonderful time of year? Aren't the decorations nice? Well, mm-hmm. I, I I do like the decorations. It is nice, lots of lights and stuff. Um, but there's this hope that we have in the gospel that's really quite profound. Um, you've you've done a whole yeah. thing on hope in as part of Christianity Explored, in addition to this this Christmas book. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, Randy, look, I got converted because my godfather was killed in a cliff fall on the 15th of August, 1982. And um, rather like covid where the nation suddenly realized death was real because the death count from covid was on the news every night Mm. um and so in the bible conversion is often a waking up 1982 when that phone call came through my godfather who was my dad's older brother had a little boat moored on a small island went for for a walk on a cliff path slipped and in very good health fell to his death so it was a very sudden Mm. death and Mm. i realized no one in my family had any answers to that and it was a taboo subject death. It was a taboo at school. It was a taboo at home. You didn't mm. discuss it. And suddenly you're confronted with it. And and I think that has always meant that in Christianity Explored and in the little course Hope Explored, which this book is really a summary of. So we've written a little three week course to follow up Christmas that really is the, is, is in the, you know, the, the, the book has a little summary of where we'd love people to come and ask questions. But but that sense of what do you do in the face of our mortality and the fragility of life um, is is always um, central to me because it was how I got converted. 
um, I'm embarrassed to admit, even on on audio recording, that I don't think I've heard your whole story. I know I've heard you tell a bit of your testimony, but I don't think I knew this bit about the about your um, godfather's death. Um, yeah, it was. Can a, you tell us a little bit more about yeah, how well, all it, that process uh, unfolded? Well, it, I think I'd been brought up with my mother was a church going Anglican, and I think my father, who was a good guy just a little bit epitomized that religion isn't for alpha males. If you're oh. a successful man, you don't really do God. So the mm. we, mother would take us along now and again, but he didn't really bother with church, um, but a lovely dad. But then suddenly when I was confronted with the death of my godfather, I was like, well, what's the answer to this? Mm. So it really mm. came out of the blue. And, and then there was a mass teacher called Christopher Ash. Um, at my school who said who ran a little Christian union there were 650 boys and 15 went to the Christian union but he said to me look when Jesus got when Jesus got through death it means he can get us through and I remember thinking if that's true it's the most important thing in the world because eternity is eternity God had been you know that verse 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 the God of this age blinds the minds of unbelievers well Mm. the devil had blinded my mind to just this age Mm. The death of my godfather meant that I woke up and God had put eternity in my heart, Ecclesiastes. And I suddenly thought, what do you do in the face of death? Life is so short. And then wonderfully, there was a maths teacher there. If there are any teachers listening, God bless you. Keep trying to speak to pupils, even if it gets you sacked. But, you know, he said to me, "Um, look, if Jesus rose from the dead, he can get you through. And I can remember thinking, Mm. well, we're going to be dead such a long time. And this life is so fragile. So I think that that sense of can't you wake up to the fact life is so short and that only Jesus is the one who's risen. And mm. so, you know, that 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 I think has been central to my story. And I've buried nine of my school friends as a pastor. Mm. So, you know, you keep putting people into the grave who have been friends and you've known and you can't believe the fragility of life. And so, um, you know, it's wake that? up. Yeah. You know, I um um I I didn't I didn't realize you and I had something else in common. We've got several things in common. Although I've never played rugby, and um and I and you you played rugby, and that explains a whole lot about Rico Tice. In case any of you want to know, watch five minutes of rugby and say, ah, now I get Rico Tice much better. I've never played rugby. I. I've watched rugby and I thought, "Ooh, that looks that looks painful." I don't think I would go anywhere near that. But but it was the death of a friend that that yes. prompted me to start yeah. Okay, wait a minute. I got to stop ignoring this issue. I I really got into absurdism. I watched a lot of Woody Allen movies. I read a lot of absurd literature. But a friend of mine died. Uh, he lived on the same dorm floor with me at uh, Temple University. He also fell to his death, a horrible, tragic thing. Oh, and oh. I remember sitting at his funeral thinking, okay, I got to get some answers. Because yeah. just getting drunk or just watching funny movies or just reading absurd books, that's not helping me. And that's what prompted me to read the Gospel of Matthew mm-hmm. and also read C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. But it was really, it was Matthew's Gospel. Uh, that was so powerfully cutting through, and and I think that's why I love your ministry and Christianity Explored. It it lets God's two edged sword do the cutting, if I can say it that way. Um, yes, and and brother, it's interesting, isn't it? In Luke's gospel, I always think Jesus's parable of the rich man and Lazarus is fascinating because the rich man 
is told, son, remember in your lifetime, you received your good things. So mm. he didn't have a problem till the day he died. You know, God had so lavished his gifts upon this rich man yeah, that it yeah. was only judgment that, that was a problem. And I think that, again, in our evangelism, we're sort of waiting for something to go wrong. I mean, I mentioned the four C's just now, but actually, you know, I'm going tonight to a school carol service. There are a number there whose only problem is the day they, they're going to die because God has so lavished his gifts upon them that if you're dealt two aces and two kings in the card game of life, it's quite hard to play that hand badly. <laughs> so, so you know, you need to, with a smile, say, look, look, you know, l- life is short. Do you have a hope that goes beyond this life? I always try and, I mean, I'm saying this to you now. I hope I'll have the courage to say it tonight. I always try and preamble that by saying, look, you know, I really don't mean to be intense and this friendship is important, but but please don't be cross. But, you know, we've there, there are a number of our friends that aren't here. Now, what do you make of that? Now, it's mm. it's it's and that's why I've written written that little book. You know, tonight I'm going to give it out at the at the school. It's an, mm. an old boys of the school carol service in central London, but but written because actually some of the people listening here, you've got relatives and they're not going to have a problem till the day they die. Hmm. And we hmm. need to we need to say to them, look, are you ready for that day? When I think God will ask you two questions. So number one, he'll say, do you know me? I made you to know me. And secondly, have you had your wrongdoing forgiven? Now, that's a pain line. Now, they might not want to know, but but some of them will, will want to know. And I make sure you ask the level one questions first. Level one is just how's the family? How's life? What's happening with the rugby? You know, just enjoy and celebrate people. But level two is, have you done any thinking in the light of where we're at? Randy, the other thing you've taught me, if I can just give you a plug here, is that your talk on Acts 14, 17, which is yet he has not left himself without testimony. He's shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven, crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. You know, that's the other side. I just don't want to be a misery. I want to say, look, life's great. Where do you think it all comes from? So mm. I, I, I want to I want to I want to be a, a, a happy evangelist as well as a sad one. But I want to try and draw people to those two realities. And the only way I'll do it is I've got to have my identity in the grace of God. So as I go today, what I've got to remember amongst all these um, blokes from my old school is do you use the word blokes in America I don't know if you use that word men um, these guys is whether I'm accepted or rejected doesn't make me valuable what makes me valuable is Christ died for me so my identities in Christ as I smile and graciously ask a question or hand over a book you know if yeah. I don't if my identity's in I've got to be good enough for them to accept me and hear me I'm never going to get to the point where I I, I offer a book or ask a question but if i go i'm being sent by the general of the whole universe the lord jesus i'm just a mucky private i might be going to a colonel but i'm passing on a message from the general and i'm saying here's a book that that takes the pressure off and my identities in christ it's not in their opinion of me we here at the c.s lewis institute are delighted to tell you Um, Our newly redesigned website has been given an award. We're an early winner of the Gold Award by the .com Awards uh, Agency. Uh, They uh, hand out very few of these awards for excellence in web creativity and digital communication. 
this year's competition was had entrants from 2,500 entries or, or even more designers, developers, content producers. I mean, it was it was amazing, and we are so very grateful that we were given this award. Uh, we thank you. Uh, for your prayers for this ministry and support for our ministry. This uh, redesign took a lot of time, a lot of work, and a lot of money. And we would love for you to be joining us as a financial supporter of our ministry for paying for these kinds of things and also the great materials that we produce and the events that we do. So please prayerfully consider if you're not a regular monthly supporter of our ministry, we'd love to have you as a partner in that way. Um, or if it's only uh, uh, occasional gifts, we take those too. But we really need uh, your help. So we hope that you can go to our website, cslewisinstitute.org forward slash give. Thanks. Mm, yes. Uh, you used a phrase in there. You said about that's the pain line. Uh, this is one of the most helpful concepts I've learned from you. Say, tell us what you mean by that. You you wrote about that in your book, Honest Evangelism, and and you said that uh, when we evangelize, we have to cross the pain line. What what do you mean by that? Well, what I'm saying is there is never a natural moment. We're always waiting for the natural moment to mm-hmm, to, right. to hand over a book. Now, I mean, you know, maybe once in a blue moon, but always because there's so much at stake, their 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 souls are at stake, eternity's at stake, the devil's against us. There'll always internally be a butterfly in my stomach, or perhaps an eagle. As I'm trying to say, so I've got to realize that, you know, that that moment tonight when I uh, there's one guy I played rugby with there. And I, as I give him a book and thank him for coming and say, look, you know, do you want to have a read? And maybe we'll chat about it in the new year. Um, you know, that that that's always going to be a, 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 because, you know, in his even though if he takes it graciously, there might be a look in his eye of oh, Rico's going on again. And, yeah. and it has marginalized me. Being a yeah. Christian amongst that group has meant, I mean, they tolerate me, but but they don't celebrate me, mm. um, you know, right. and, and I'd like to be accepted by them. And I'm not really. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to have to realize my acceptance is with Jesus, not with them. You know, I think this is such an important theme in evangelism today, because there was a time, at least in America, there was a time when... Um, if you raise the issue of the gospel or Christianity or faith in any kind of broad way, the vast majority of people would think, oh, that's nice. I mean, the worst you would get is, eh, uh, that's that's for yeah. you, that's not for me, sort of a neutral thing. But today it's, wait a minute, you're one of those? You believe what? You're the problem. You're the you're the bigots in the world. And, and there is a real cost in some situations, uh, maybe not, certainly not all, and maybe not most, but but we do need to prepare ourselves. Of you know what, I I may be rejected if I do this. I mean, if I if I said you know I'm going to buy 20 copies of this book and I'm going to give this out to people I know, and I'm I'm actually going to go walk around and give some to my neighbors. Um, I need to be ready for the fact that one or two or I don't know how many of the people will say no and don't ever give me any of this blankety blank stuff again. And I, I just need to be prepared. And so that's why when you say our identity is in Christ, that's what's so crucial. It's okay, they they rejected me, but God hasn't rejected me. My acceptance is based on what Christ has done. And so I have this firm identity that 
uh, it hurts when other people say these things, but that's okay. I can handle that. But it's not, it's not without cost. And uh, you've helped prepare us for that kind of thing. I think it's that's exactly right, Randy. Now, what I've got to do is be emotionally self-aware, and some Christians just aren't, where they <laughs> blunder in and their tone is hopeless. Mm. They're a bit rude. You know, so please save us from that. The fruit of the Spirit, love, kindness, gentleness, self-control are huh. incredibly important. But at the same time, sometimes I'll do nothing wrong and I'll get rejected because people, I'm the, I'm, I am the, I'm, you know, I'm the aroma of life to people who love darkness. And, you know, I've, so I've got to get that balance. It's good to have a spouse or a friend who can just give me feedback on how I do come across to make sure I'm not an <laughs> oaf. Uh-huh. But right. I think a smile and a, a look and, a, and you know, and, and the, the, you know, the, the, and it is. And that, that's why I called the book I wrote Honest Evangelism, because we're not being honest with Christians about the cost of this. And mm. then when you suddenly mm. do get hammered, you very graciously hand a book over and you find that person really won't speak to you again. You know, when that when that does happen, at least you're ready for it because, you know, you've been gracious. It's the content of the book that they don't like. It's the gospel they don't like. Right. But secondly, I call it honest evangelism because we've got to be honest with non-Christians about what's at stake. I mean, mm. at the very least, I want to say, do you have a hope that goes beyond death? You know, I think, it, and, you know, so just 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 see what they say on that. But but we've got to get to the eternal issues to do the gospel properly. You know, the yeah. gospel is not, oh, Lord, my life is empty. Fill me. The people I'm seeing tonight at this have got their lives full of wonderful things God has made. They just haven't thanked the creator. The gospel mm. is not, oh, Lord, my life is empty. Fill me. The gospel is, Lord, I'm an offense. Do you rescue me? Mm. Now, now mm. That, that's, they don't, you know, the English don't like to be told they're an offense. I mean, I know we are, but we don't like to be, we don't like to have that communicated. Huh. But you don't get to the cross until you realize you're an offense. Hmm. Well, let me let me uh, wrap this up and bring it to a close with one reminder, and I, I do hope that people find this encouraging. There, there may be some people that we give this book or give any uh, an evangelistic book or give a New Testament, and and some people may say, "No, leave me alone, get out of here." But then, six months, a year, several years later, they may pick that book up and read it. And I I love the fact that when I was in high school and first met this group of Christians, they gave me a copy of the New Testament. I did not want to read that book. I told them I wasn't going to read that book. I had been told that's an anti-Semitic book. I'm Jewish. Leave me alone with this. But I didn't throw the book out. And I brought it with me away to, way, yeah. away to college. And I read it four years after they gave it to me. And um, look at how God has used that. And I think of this one friend I sent him uh, an evangelistic book. He told me later that he threw it against the wall and cursed me out. Um, oh and uh, but it was years later when some things happened in his life. Well, maybe I need to read this thing. So um, uh, let's trust God to use us, even if it means crossing the pain line. Um, Rico, you've really helped and, us. A and whole and lot. brother, scatter the scatter the seed. Mm -hmm. What we're doing mm -hmm. is we're throwing out the seed. But what we learn in Mark chapter four is that the, the seed has a power of its own. So as you give the book, with G, as Jesus is described, there is a power that will grow. So I've just got to scatter the seed and leave the results mm -hmm. to God. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. Well, Rico, it's great okay. to see you again. I'm sorry to bring this to an end because I love chatting with you. But we are going to bring it to an end. Let me say to our listeners... 
thank you for listening. Thank you for checking out the resources we have available at our uh, now award-winning website, cslewisinstitute.org. Check out Christianity Explores, Explores uh, resources. Um, Rico, thanks so much for the time together. God bless and happy Christmas, everyone. And um, I'll be praying you take the opportunity. Please pray that I'll do the same my end. Yeah, great.